Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Wiggins, America. I am not a number. I am a free man. Wiggins, America. The only thing I'm going to need from you guys right now is a cup of coffee. Wiggins. Today's global economy waits for no man. America. Today's global business climate is like, whatever, dude. <laughs> Politics is a dirty game. I'm not sure we want to play. There are forces here at work that you couldn't possibly understand. You have no idea how high up this goes. Welcome to Wiggins America. I'm going to start the show today by telling you we have a good show. Usually we have a terrible show, but today is different. This is going to be a really good show. Uh, We have a member of the Susan B. Anthony pro-life organization by the name of Evie Osmond on the show. Really looking forward to talking to her for a variety of reasons, Um, but that will be in the next hour. Old Roy will be in. Trisha will be in. It'll be a full show. I want to start, though, by talking about some celebrity news. You know how I do that. I love celebrity news. It says, during her Eras tour, Taylor Swift surprised fans by announcing the release of 1989, Taylor's version, a re-recorded version of her iconic album. On stage, Swift expressed her gratitude to fans for... This is the wrong... I, I printed this out. You know what? This was on the printer and it shouldn't have been. This was somebody else's story. Let me set that aside real quick because mine is actually a tale from the dark side. There is, unseen by most, an underworld. A place that is just as real, but not as brightly lit. A dark side. Yes, that's right. YouTube has demonetized Russell Brand's channel, and the BBC pulled some of his shows from its online streaming service after women accused the comedian-turned-wellness personality of rape and sexual assault in an investigative report published over the weekend. In a statement on Tuesday, YouTube said that they took action against Brand's account, which has 6.6 million subscribers, to, quote, protect users in light of serious allegations against the creator. It means that 48-year-old Brand will no longer be able to profit from the ads that run alongside his videos 
and it goes into all the different kinds of ads that they are for absolutely no reason. Other channels associated with his main YouTube page also include Awakening with Russell, which has two hundred four or 426 subscribers. Football is Nice, which has 20,000. These are all Russell Brands. brands. <laughs> um, I say this because it is incredible that we are talking about somebody who I don't actually pay that much of attention to. I know that he was a movie star. I did think he was rather funny, um, but I, I don't really watch his YouTube stuff. I know that he's very well watched. I mean, 6.6 .6 million subscribers means that you're going well beyond 6.6 .6 million uh, people viewing them. That's just how many people subscribe. We know that from our own channels. But Russell Brand is a thorn in the side of the establishment. I'm not even going to say he's conservative. He's just anti-establishment. So what does the establishment do? <clears throat> they come back at you hard. If you come after the establishment, you have to be squeaky clean because even if somebody alleges something against you, which is what's happening here, you will be removed from society. In this case, you cannot make money anymore, Russell Brand. I know that you've built this massive following by doing this podcast that he does probably a few times a week. I don't know if he does it daily, but he talks to the camera <clears throat> a lot like a lot of a lot of the podcasters do. And he can no longer make any money from anything that he's built, which probably took him years to build, because of an allegation. Now, keep in mind, this isn't, this hasn't been um, tried yet. But even though it hasn't been tried, we're not even talking about, he hasn't even been charged, ladies and gentlemen. He hasn't been charged with anything. This is hearsay at this moment. But that's all it takes to cancel somebody. And let me just go back a second and remind you of what cancel culture is and what cancel culture is not. Because a lot of people will say, oh, the, the right does cancel culture too. What about Bud Light? You know, things like that. That is the opposite of cancel culture. Bud Light, for instance, since you brought that up, <laughs> uh, is a boycott. That is capitalism in action that is from the bottom up, a whole bunch of people, or sometimes it's maybe just a few people, decide not to buy a product, and it hurts the bottom line for the company that's the high up. <clears throat> Cancel culture is the exact reverse, where you have the people at the top making the decisions for the people at the bottom who really don't have much of a say in it at all. Take, for example, Gina Carano. She didn't do anything anything wrong she questioned the establishment on the covid vaccines and the covid mandates and masking and he and all the other stuff all that stuff is what she got crucified for and the top down decided she is no longer able to be in star wars or anything that we're producing for disney plus because she dared question the authorities that's her crime I mean, of course, they're going to find something else. They're going to say, oh, well, you said something uh, about Nazism that was too extreme and therefore you're... I mean, whatever it was, who knows. 
it, it didn't matter. She was she was on the chopping block. That's where Russell Brand is. Now, I don't know whether any of these allegations are true or not. Maybe they will be, end up being true. It's very possible. The point is, at this point, nobody really knows. Definitely the people at the top at YouTube don't know. And here's what really drives me crazy. Beyond the cancel culture, uh, uh, the whole thing about cancel culture, all of it, is that at the same time, this is the left in action, right? This is censorship. They are yelling about book bans as if the right is doing the censoring. We live in a digital world, and they're worried about protecting graphic novels of oral sex being shown to children. And and they're saying, well, Republicans are the ones censoring people. They're censoring free thought. And that is what they're defending that we are censoring or attempting to censor through public tax dollars, mind you. This isn't even like from the marketplace. <laughs> Nobody's arguing that those books can't exist. They're just saying we don't want them in children's libraries or in children's sections of libraries. So the loud, loud yelling about censorship that's coming from the left is completely absent on an issue like this. In the digital world, where really most of communication is happening now, they love censorship. And they do not care if your rights are trampled on in the process. They don't, they don't have guiding principles. That's the thing. I mean, that's the kind of the conclusion that I'm coming to with a lot of these things, is that not that my or your guiding principles are so rock solid and set in stone that they never change. It's just that they generally don't change. We generally believe in free markets, for instance. We generally believe in free speech, and we try to apply those things as equally as possible, although circumstances are always changing. We try. We try. The left doesn't care to try. They don't try to pretend that they have the same principles over here as they do over here. They don't care because they have no guiding principles. They are guided entirely by gut reaction. It's unfortunate that we've gotten there because traditional liberalism used to not be like that. Traditional liberalism really was about open free speech. That's what the ACLU did. And they are a great example of this, this transformation because they have abandoned their principles entirely. They say they will not uh, defend people that they disagree with anymore. And they used to do that. They used to defend people that they disagree with just on the grounds of free speech because they stood for something that was beyond the momentary politics of the time. That's your tale for the dark side for the day. It's also the way we're starting Wiggins America. Like I said, we do have a big show. Really uncommon, because most of the time these shows are just terrible. But this is a good one, so stick around. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Trisha, I need some dating advice. Oh, good. Yeah. Which Uh, is weird because I'm married. married. Mm -hmm. um, And I'm not talking about dating my wife either. Because that's that's a new thing. You know that, right? Like, oh, you're supposed to date your spouse more. That's one of those life things. Yeah. We've done those before. Like, live, laugh, love, that kind of thing. Exactly. That kind of Mm -hmm. BS. Yeah. That's, Seize the moment. It's totally good stuff, but it's also like whatever. meditation. Just shout up with your stupid advice. All right. Are you going to date yourself? That's another one. Oh, gosh, no. No, that really is a thing. I've not heard that. You've never heard the date yourself? No. All right, go on. What is that? What, do you, Just, what kind of advice? I think where you're supposed to like really treat yourself. Miley Cyrus has got a whole that, song. Isn't that just hedonism? I, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> big words, Ryan. All right, all right. The, the reason I bring this up is because a, a good friend of mine is the same age as me, never been married before. So as a, and I just turned 42, so as a 42-year-old, does that give you a stigma, like going into dating that you've never been married? It, would it be better at that point to be divorced with kids, or, or is it better to not have any relationship experience? Not, not relationship, but no marriage experience. Because he's been in long-term relationships, but he's just never gotten married. I think that's okay. It's, I, it's, I, so think, it's yeah. I think it really depends on why this person has never committed, like, to marriage. Yeah. Is this, I, I don't know your friend, so I want to, let's just pretend like we're not talking about somebody you know. Okay. If you've got somebody who has never been married because they're weird. <laughs> <laughs> then, that's not him. No, he. He's, I, we're not he's talking cool. about your friend. Yeah. Then I think it's a bit of a red flag. I mean, I think I. I do think if you are starting out a new relationship with somebody and you've got somebody that's a grown adult, but it's you said your friend's been in relationships before, right? Yeah, he's been long term relationships. Two or three long term relationships. Eh, I think he's fine. But it's been a while. Like I think for at least five, ten years. Why he has hasn't... your friend been single? He's very picky. And not in, I don't think, a negative way, just that he wants to marry somebody who is has the same values as him. He doesn't want to get into something just to get into something, which I really respect. Um, but he has, I, I think he's gotten himself into a catch-22 where the older you get, the more the pool shrinks. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to stay up, up to your standards, you're getting less and less opportunity for somebody who would meet those standards. So I'm, I'm just, I, I don't know. I'm just. How high are these standards? I, so I understand having the same set of values and beliefs and faith, but at that age there, I mean, people that you're dating have lived a life too. Mm-hmm. So is it, you can't date anybody that has kids or that's no. been divorced no, it or doesn't, anything it, it like really that? It doesn't have anything to do with any of that. Yeah. It's more, it's more, uh, it, it is the faith question. Like, are you mm-hmm. committed to Christ? Because that's number one for him. Totally understandable. Um, when he will not waver on that, I don't blame him. Which is great. But yeah. Um, 
but that that doesn't mean the pool's limited. I mean, that there's a lot of people, mm-hmm. especially when you're a church going person. Mm-hmm. The people you hang out with it's are place, all that's that. a, yeah, yeah. A place to find them. So he, and so he doesn't have any problem dating people who've who've dated people or been married or have kids or anything like that. Um, he's got no like deep biases or anything, but he does want to deeply connect with somebody. And that's kind of where I'm going with this is that he is a very, it's, he's such an interesting guy because when you meet him, he seems very shy and sort of almost off-putting. But when you get to talking with him, the dude is super deep and like you instantly connect on a deep level with him. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if... Maybe you should date him. No, no, no. I don't. Well, if that's how you feel. I don't feel. like him in that way. Also, I'm married. And I'm not gay. And you're dating yourself. And I'm, yeah. <laughs> but not your wife. I got to treat myself. <laughs> treat Joseph. <laughs> I'm going to Kohl's right after this. Are you? Yeah, I'm going to get myself go- a vest. We're going this weekend, too. <laughs> oh, that's cool. You yeah. guys plan Maybe that. Maybe we'll see you. That's, yeah, there's only one. <laughs> so, sure. See we'll see you and Katie at the Kohl's. See you there. Uh, yeah, I guess that some of those... Stand- I- I don't know. Is he not getting finding dates? Is he looking for that deep connection, like eye contact, and you're supposed to feel it in your soul? Are we to the point where maybe Uh, maybe maybe we're thinking that because there's some stuff that I don't I don't blame him for not wanting to spend his life with somebody that he doesn't have a deep connection with. Yeah. But as you know, as somebody that is happily married, relationships take a lot of work and compromise, and nobody there's no perfect person right out the gate like you have to grow together totally like having that foundation is the most important but as far as like going on dates i mean maybe you don't love everything about the person right away that doesn't mean you can't grow i don't know yeah did that answer your question kind of kind of i i don't i don't know the question because i think the only reason i bring this up is because i'm thinking i really genuinely value this guy's friendship Mm -hmm. and I, i i know that he really wants to he wants to live the domestic life. Like he wants, yeah, he wants to be to married. Somebody. He wants to have kids. Mm-hmm. Always has, but it just hasn't worked. And I wonder if that 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 thing that he's missing is that he is so darn deep. He's not a bad looking guy or anything. I mean, he's he's got everything that you'd think would be dateable. But I think he he's he like instantly is a is a, just a deep conversationalist Mm -hmm. and i wonder and i kind of bring this up just because i'm a boy and you're a girl if you miss that sort of surface level that just sort of that that easy breezy kind of thing i don't think so i don't think so not at our age i think it's okay okay i think the right person's gonna be like dude i'm into this let's talk about it let's yeah get into the nitty-gritty i don't want to waste my time with chit chat about the weather either yeah okay good to know i think he's i think he'll be fine okay good to know uh Unless he's a weirdo. I mean, yeah, he smells terrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> does it has only hair on his neck, not his face? Okay, wears flip flops to everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he's okay. he's good looking, mm-hmm. but does not partake in any personal hygiene. And so, likes to wear a bikini top under a blazer. Uh, yeah, you can see it. It's like yeah. a white blazer, uh-huh, chest dark. Hair yeah. And, yeah, yeah. All right, thanks for the advice. Please. Well, I can't believe this, that I get to introduce this guy, because if you had told me a couple years ago that I would be on 97.1, because I've been a listener for a long time, that I would be on 97.1, getting to do hits on the Mark Cox Morning Show, and then, full circle, Mark Cox himself being on my show, I almost can't believe it, but hello.
Stop, Ryan Wiggins. You know that, man. You're great. We love having you on this radio station. You kidding me? It's fun. It's <sighs> it's a lot more fun than, you know, when people talk to you about, well, what do you do for a living? And you say, well, I do radio. Usually it's like it's a slow burn for me. I don't just come right out and be like, I'm a conservative radio talk show host. Uh, but they ask you what you do, and you may do this too, where you go, well, I work in radio. They go, oh, yeah, well, you you behind the scenes? Are you on air? Well, I'm on air. I do talk show. Oh, wow, okay. What kind of talk do you do? Well, mostly political, you know, <laughs> and then like see where they're at. Um, but that whole process has been so cool for me because to see, like I've been, I've listened to 97.1 for probably 15 years and to see even you grow on the station as a, as a listener, and now to to be on your show and and doing shows with you, it's way more fun than people give it credit for. I, I pinch think. myself still. Yeah, I, I I I do. I'm I'm living the dream. Honestly, um, I have wanted to do this for a living since I'm going to guess 1986 or 87 when I was driving down the road and first turned the radio on and and heard. A, a man's voice on the radio who was saying exactly what I thought, um, and his name was Rush Limbaugh, and I I was a Limbaugh listener in the Limbaugh Army from early on, and I thought to myself, what what a fantastic opportunity to explain what's going on in the world through your eyes. And I remember at the time, the biggest criticism of Limbaugh was, oh, you must just listen to Rush Limbaugh if that's what you think. No, actually, it's what I've always thought, and Rush Limbaugh is vocalizing it. And, and when, you can, when you can find somebody who thinks the way you think mm-hmm. and has the ability to go on and verbalize that in a, in a common sense way, that's one of the greatest things ever. And, and I've always wanted to do it. And, of course, my career path took me into – television news, which is the degree I got uh, right out of college at Miami of Ohio. And then I started working for TV stations and as trained as a journalist to go out and cover a story and tell both sides of the story. But in the background, I still had my beliefs on things, but I did my job on a daily basis. It wasn't about me giving you my opinion. That wasn't what my job was. Yeah. You knew that's what you were supposed to do. Correct. And, and, you know, over the years, you get comfortable in a position, and and I still, in the back of my mind, had always wanted to do something like this, and and then lo and behold, the the opportunity came along with ninety seven one. Actually, I walked in the door at ninety seven one and said, "Hey, how about if I fill in for news sometimes if your news anchor's out?" And the program director at the time, Jeff Allen, said, "Well." Have you ever considered talk radio? <laughs> I said, I have, but I still work over here at Channel 4. I can't really go on the radio and talk about my opinion on things. And we slowly eased into it. And, wow, just it, it's it's liberating, yeah. isn't it? it? It is because – even though I just said that, you know, we, we, I sort of like slow walk into saying what I do, um, it, you're out there. People know you, people know what you think, and it's so much more comfortable to be in that position than being in a job where you have to hide it. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I've never really been in a job where I had to hide. I did, I did work in TV too, although not at the same stations that you did, and we, so we never crossed paths in that sense, but I worked at stations where I was very much in the not only political minority, but racial minority. And so I, I, I wouldn't say I danced around the subject, but, I, you know, it, it was very clear that I was not going to see eye to eye politically with my bosses and their bosses. 
And so, you know, you just handle those situations differently. But it's funny that you say, like, that you've been conservative for as long as you can remember. I'm the same way. Kim St. Ange, who's on your show, I've heard her story a little bit. And it, it, it always surprises me when I hear somebody who so recently had been liberal and then has, has changed their political affiliation or at least their ideology to go, man, I, I just couldn't see I you know I, I've always seen this way so it's it's right. a surprise to me right. to hear somebody because when you said Rush Limbaugh I have memories of being in high school listening to uh America held hostage yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. and, and uh I mean high school students aren't usually at that time and this is the 90s they, nobody was into politics when you were in high school, you know? And so I was. <laughs> I was, too. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't you. know that I was because there wasn't, like, a community for it or anything. It seems like now you're encouraged to be political mm-hmm. when you're that age. But at that time, there wasn't anything like that. And so it's fun because you realize as you get older, like, oh, I've actually always thought about these things. I just didn't know there was a place for it. One of my greatest memories from high school was... Um, in the 1980 election, I wasn't old enough to vote yet, but my dad had taken me to Cincinnati to a Ronald Reagan convention, uh, to to a to a rally at the convention center in Cincinnati, and it was an epiphany for me. <laughs> a, 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 a chill still runs down my spine when I think about that, and I was all in, man. I was a Reagan Revolution guy. I. I paid attention to the issues. I knew what horrible policies Jimmy Carter had, and it was just it was it was a bad time in America. Interest rates were twelve percent. Sound familiar? Yeah. Um, d- d- your dollar didn't go as far. There were, I mean, gas costs. There were gas shortages. Um, so I went to school. I, I had a professor, a Rocky. I'll never forget. He was he was a, you know, he did like a current events class, which I had, and. He we were talking about the presidential election one day and he said, well, it won't matter because America's not going to elect a former B actor. Oh, and I'm really? Like, you got to put your money where your mouth is, Mr. <laughs> Heflin. And Mr. Heflin did. And we we bet. I don't know if it was 10 or 20 bucks. I can't remember. But he said there's no way Ronald Reagan will ever be president of the United States. And the next morning after that election, I can remember skipping down the hallway almost <laughs> to his classroom. And I waited till after the bell rang so that I could knock on the door when he had a class full of students and make him pay me in front of all of those people. It was, it was That's ex- great. Yeah, that's that was me in high school, right? That that's was me. great. Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't wanna I don't wanna dominate uh the conversation because I don't know where else you want to go here, but I will say this. I was in television news for a long time. When I was in local news, and I left for my own reasons. I I didn't get fired. Uh, They didn't separate with me. I made the decision that I didn't like the direction that industry was going. I didn't like the way they were using brands. You you could only cover a story if it fits your brand. I mean, it was just complete hogwash. And I... I, um, as a news anchor, for many years, you would go in, you'd get, you'd get your scripts in the morning. I anchored the morning news for 13 years at Channel 4. And I would often see things in stories that I thought showed bias of some sort. And I would fix it because ultimately you can lead a news anchor to, to a script, but you can't make them read it. So as the news anchor, I saw myself as the final filter for that crap. Too many news anchors don't these days is the problem. So this week on my show, I, I pulled an, an example from Channel 4 because I almost 
spit my bourbon out one night when I'm sitting at home one night this week and I'm watching Channel 4 News. My friend Corey is on there and he's, he reads a story about um, the impeachment inquiry for Joe Biden, which is coming up. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, the impeachment inquiry for Joe Biden will be happening this week. Uh, you know, the first hearing is set now. It's coming out of the ultra conservative House Oversight Committee. Oh, come on now. I I just about spit the bourbon out of my mouth because my thought was, first of all, who wrote that? Why does it have to be ultra conservative because they're pointing out these obvious conflicts of interest Joe Biden and his son had with foreign governments when he was vice president of the United States? And secondly, I would love to go back. I don't have I don't really have the technical ability to do this, but I'd love to go back and find an example of Corey or another news anchor describing the impeachment of Donald Trump twice by Nancy Pelosi in those terms, that the ultra-liberal House of Representatives is now impeaching Donald Trump. Yeah, pushed by the far left. They never use that language when describing Democrats. But because it's James Comer running the Oversight Committee, Corey read the script that said the ultra-conservative. Who said that? Who wrote it? Yeah. See, this is the kind of thing that has seeped its way into national news a long time ago and more and more into local news, and you've got to pay attention to your news sources. I would argue I argue that all the time. You've really got to pay attention. I'm glad you say that because that's one of the things that I've had to watch for. <clears throat> you know, this is – last week was the two-year anniversary of this show, actually. And so Happy we kind of like – Yeah, thanks. Um, I always remember because it's the same weekend as my birthday, so it's very easy. Um, but – watching the way you use language because they'll they'll try to use even if you're reporting on something from a conservative angle like we do because we're opinion hosts if you're talking about quote unquote gender affirming surgery you've already lost the battle it's not gender affirming surgery they they've they've redefined sexual reassignment surgery sure. as gender affirming when it's literally the exact opposite and that is what the left, that is what the media does, is they manipulate language. And I think it's very cool that you say that because we have to be very vigilant as as communicators to watch for when they're spinning language because they will set the narrative. There's no doubt about it. You you talking about the pro choice movement? I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about I'm talking about uh, migrants instead of illegal aliens. Thank you. I mean all mm. this stuff that is is and it's not even that the language that a conservative uses is like offensive. It's just not spun. And when you say that, I mean, that all comes flooding back. I don't want to run out of time with you because I had one question I really wanted to get to, which is when you get up every morning, I mean, you get up earlier than anybody. Do you ever say to yourself, I'm going into, I'm doing four hours. Do you ever say, I can't believe that I have to cover this, you know, whatever it is. I mean, whatever issue, are we in a place where you look at a story at times and go, I can't believe America has gotten here. It's like living in a parallel universe sometime. It is. I don't know how else to describe it. To have to walk in and look at the garbage indictments that have been leveled for political reasons against Donald J. Trump, um, it, it even even the National Records Act, Mar-a-Lago charges, even if you could legitimize that in any way beyond the fact that 
Nobody's ever been charged for it before. And what Joe Biden's done is 10 times worse than anything Donald Trump did, in my opinion. Um, And yet he was still charged. And the last time I checked, Joe Biden wasn't for the boxes of stuff next to his Corvette. You you think to yourself sometimes, what's happening with America? And I said this to my colleague, Kim St. Anz, the other day, who has a, I think, five, six-month-old little boy now named Easton. And I've got a I've got a new grandchild and a, and a grandson who's two. What happens? What's it going? What are they going to be reporting on twenty years from now when these kids are in college? Yeah, I I'm frightened for the future of America that that the progressive left. I'm not talking about Democrats. I got a lot of friends who are Democrats who have a a boatload of common sense, and they don't they see this for what it is. I'm talking about the progressive left who who have gained power in the establishment in Washington with what they're getting away from uh, with these days. Um, I just don't know how much further. Every time I hit a point where I think it can't get any crazier than this, yeah. they come up with something else. You know, I started the show by talking about the Russell Brand stuff and about really where I, where it went was the left, that part of the left, not necessarily middle Democrats and traditional blue dog Democrat kind right. of people, but we're talking about the like ultra ultra uh, progressive people that exist in the United States. They don't really have any standards. They will push anything at any time and even contradict themselves just for pure power. It's almost like some of them know that they're doing it and other ones are just led around by the mouth, not knowing that they're doing it because they're just reactionary. And I'll tell you what, I'll conclude on this and just get your thoughts on it real quick. What worries me is that we're going to get in 20 years, the people who are, they had been anti-war, they've been kind of the, the pacifist people. They, because they don't actually believe in anything, these people are going to be full on militants and we're going to have a very, very violent America in 10 to 20 years because those people don't actually stand for the peace that they proclaim. They will do anything for power. Yeah. I, I, I fear that, that you're right. The only solace I take in that is that there are probably 300 million guns in America and <laughs> yeah, the majority right. of those belong to conservatives because- the left doesn't believe in them, and they think they're all evil. And, That's and, right. You know, my, my, I'm a good example. I've got a safe full of guns, and not a single one of them has ever hurt anyone. They don't get out of the safe on their own. They only get out if I take them out. I can sit one in the corner. Everything's fine. Um, the left in this country has carried that that thought process so far. If it ever gets to what you're talking about, uh, unless they have the government forces on their side, which – for all we know, could happen by then. Uh, that you know, that's not that's not something I, I I can envision. But then again, I didn't envision Donald Trump facing 700 years in prison, right? Just because Orange Man bad. That's, yeah, that's it. You you you. We're living in a world these days where to to a vast segment of Americans, they don't see anything wrong with what this Biden DOJ has done to the leading presidential candidate of the opposing party. Well, that's Sad. that's a great point. That's a great counterpoint to my point. That's why you are the morning show host. <laughs> Thank you for coming in and doing this. It's an honor to be on Wiggins America. Are you kidding me? Well, maybe I can convince you to come back at some point. I won't bother you too much. I know it's a weekend show, but uh, I really appreciate you coming in and doing that. Happy to do it, Ryan. Happy anniversary. Cool. Well, we'll take a break, and we'll be right back with more. I was fangirling on Mark Cox, even though we share an office. <laughs> We talk all the time. Uh, That was cool, though. Uh, I just like to talk to people a little bit off the record, not as if we're not on air, but, you know, a little 
a little more uh, personal. That's the word I'm looking for. One of the stories I meant to bring up with Mark that I didn't because we ran out of time was this about the FBI. They had so many paid informants at the Capitol on January 6th that it lost track of the number and had to perform a later audit to figure out how many confidential human resources they had, how many agents they had running around the Capitol on January 6th, apparently instigating, because that's what it looks like they were doing. But, you know, when you have, when you're the FBI, you can't be asked to keep track of all your informants that are spying on American citizens and trying to incite them into violence and crimes. That's asking too much, in my opinion. I wish I would have gotten to ask Mark a question about that. He probably would have agreed. It's not the FBI's fault. The FBI is is uh, just a, the victim here. They're asked to keep track of all their informants. Give me a break. Let's try this. What does he know? Wiggins, America. This is also from the New York Post. I've been looking for more information about this. about a week old now. But uh, the, the news has been trickling out because I don't think that it's it's all that flattering. Eventually, they'll do one of two things in Chicago based on this news story I'm about to read you. They will either fully embrace it and say, yes, we are progressives. Yes, we are coming up with outside-the-box solutions, and that is one of them. Or they will try to erase it from history that they never even said it, never even had the thought. Oh, you guys ran with that, and it wasn't even something serious. You know, we just said it in passing, and you guys made a big deal out of it because that's what you do. That's what they'll say. One of those two things, to be determined which one it is, but here's the news story. Urban progressives' treatment plans for their self-inflicted wounds are always some toxic combination of too simplistic and too roundabout. That's how the article starts. It's talking about these grocery store deserts, food deserts, as they call them, which should not exist in urban areas. The urban areas should be where you have the greatest concentration of supermarkets because you have the greatest concentration of people. Naturally, you put restaurants, you put businesses where the most people can utilize them. But for some unknown reason, I wish we could get the bottom of this one, they, they won't put grocery stores and sometimes even gas stations in urban areas anymore. Places like Downtown St. Louis, for instance. You know how long I have to go to get to a grocery store? There's one schnooks that's about seven or eight blocks from here, and that's the closest place to walk. There is also one on North Tucker that opened, I would say, about five years ago now, probably pre-pandemic or a couple. Yeah, yeah, right about that. And I've been in there recently, and I can't believe they're still open because when I walk in the door, there's, there's nothing on the shelves. I mean... Really, it looks like out of a, a post-apocalyptic movie when you walk in there, but it's still open, so I guess I'll give them credit. You walk in, you go, you got anything to eat? And they're like, well, I mean, look back in that corner back there and open that door. You might be able to find a bagel bites back there. I mean, there's nothing in it. So it's really hard to find grocery stores, even where I'm standing right now in downtown St. Louis. Go to Chicago, apparently it's even worse. It's so bad that this news story here that I'm reading from, it says that Brandon Johnson, the new mayor of Chicago, is looking at starting state-run grocery stores because they can't get private ones to move there. They can't get businesses to move into downtown Chicago because of crime. 
It's too dangerous. It's too dangerous for workers mainly. It's not just the bottom line here. It's not just, oh, they steal so much stuff that we can't, you know, our profit margin is too small. It's that they have to protect the workers and they're liable for people on their site being shot or stabbed or in some sort of altercation. That That is a huge cost. Nobody talks about that. And I, I want to go back real quick to my solution that red state governors, red states should implement. Talk to business owners. Find out what they need to protect their stores and then pass legislation, even if it's just ceremonial, that, that supports what they need. Because right now they're too afraid of liability. And you can do something about that legally. This just is amazing to me that their solution is we're going to invite crime into our cities. It will destroy our cities. It will destroy our economies. Then we will rebuild them with government control. That's the playbook. You're seeing it play out in real time in Chicago by people who don't even maybe know that they're a part of that plan, but they are. Get more at 971talk.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.